Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Well, hey, I am Penny Maxwell. For those of you who I have not had the opportunity to meet as of yet, I'll be in the lobby after service, so I'd love to say hey to you. Um, But my husband and I are the senior pastors here at Freedom House. Uh, Pastor Troy is actually speaking right outside of D.C. this morning. Uh, Then we have Olin speaking at South End, and at our Lake Norman campus is Pastor Michael. Uh, So for those of you who are not uh, familiar with how we do church here, We have a teaching team, a live teaching team, that at all of our services, one of our teaching team members is speaking. We do not do video venue here. You won't see my husband's teaching pop up on the screen. Uh, We believe that God can equip and teach leaders and train and develop and disciple people to speak, and it's not the Troy and Penny show. This church is not just built around us, it's built around the vision that God gave here. And so there are a lot of people who have a gift of leadership on their life, and we believe in equipping the leaders to do the work of the ministry, right? So you're not going to see a video screen around here unless you're going to watch the preview. That's just the way God told us to do it, and we love it. It would be really tough for me to go and sit and watch somebody on a screen, and I could just watch them from my home. Just saying. So that's how we do it, and we love it. We actually love it a lot. And uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to my husband because I know he's peeking in this morning um, before his services start. And uh, we are in this series called Anthropology. Say anthropology. Anthropology. And anthropology is the study of humans. So that is exactly what we're going to do is we are going to study humans And I thought what I would actually do for my part of this message is I would take things all the way back to the beginning. Because how many of you know that in order to study humans, it might be a good idea to know why we were made, how we were made, when we were made, what transpired. So the book of Genesis is actually called the book of beginnings. So we're going to spend a good amount of time starting off in the book of beginnings. And in order to do that, I want to just give you a couple of things because there's some things that I've noticed about society which is going to make this message today vitally important. One of the things I've noticed about society is society has lost its way and we've struggled with our identity. But I believe with the right teaching and understanding of what the Word of God has to say about us, we can get that back. Now, for those of you who have heard me teach before, preach before, raise your hand if you've heard me before. I like you. I don't know who that was, but I like you. Um, The thing I want you to understand is today is going to be a little bit different. Today will be a little bit more of a feeling of being in a Bible school class. It'll be a less of preacher penny and a little more of teacher penny. So we're going to cover some ground. We're going to cover some scriptures. And I want you to just follow along and keep up. And I want you to take notes because if we can get this stuff under our belt, I believe that society as a whole will change. And it can start right here from this room, right? All right. 
So as I was talking, I was talking about going to the book of Genesis. So I want you to go to Genesis chapter 2. And before I read that scripture, um, the thought that I was talking about was the struggle with our identity right now in society. And some people are wondering, where did that come from? Could you imagine if I came to you and I said to you, how many of you have a mother or father? Raise your hand. Is that, is that anybody in here? Okay, there are some people that did not raise their hand. I'm going to ask. It's not a trick question. How many of you have a mother or a father? There you go. There you go. All right. So if I were to come to you and I were to uh, get your parents involved and bring your parents to you, and your parents would come to you and say, hey, I just want you to know we never really even wanted you. We, we never even cared for you. As a matter of fact, you were a complete and total accident. You weren't even something that was ever on our mind. Could you imagine what that might do to you? Or could you imagine if you said that to your children, we didn't even want you? We didn't even plan for you? You were such an accident? Could you imagine how that might sit on someone? But yet, that's exactly what we're teaching in our schools right now. We are teaching children that by some happenstance, there was this big bang and you just came to be and eventually you evolved from an ape. Instead of being created by design, you were created by default. You see, that's what is being taught in our schools right now. Is it any wonder people are struggling with their identity? Because they're being told, you weren't fashioned and formed by a creator. You were a total accident that eventually evolved from an ape. How might that affect our society and our identity? When in fact, the Lord God says that he created us by design. We were not by default. He was intentional when he made us. He planned us. He formed us. He fashioned us. And we're going to read about that right now in Genesis chapter 2. It says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. I wrote this down. The definition of by design means to execute in an artistic or a highly skilled manner. You were made in a highly skilled manner. You were thought about. You were intentionally created. Now, what I love here is what I just described is how Adam was made. That is not how Eve was made. Let's go and read a little bit further, and we'll find out how Eve was made. Genesis 2, 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh in its place, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Now, my husband would tell you that this right here is the reason why men don't understand women is because men were asleep when women were being made. And I have to agree. He would also say that the way that we got our name is that when Adam was brought Eve and Eve was brought over, he looked at her and said, whoa, man. 
But the thing I want us to understand is that men and women were created very differently for an intentional reason. Man was gone from the dust of the ground. God breathed into his nostrils. But woman, we came from man. God actually took one of Adam's ribs and made Eve. He did not go back to the dust of the ground again. He said, okay, let me take part of Adam. Adam had what he needed, but God said, let me actually, he's, he's alone. Let me actually take part of him and then br- bring Eve back together with him and make them whole. And that's what's so important. I think is my husband has said this before. He said, you know, God didn't take a foot bone and say, okay, let's make Eve uh, out of the heel. God didn't go and say, let's make Eve out of the, the bone from the head. He made Eve out of the bone from the side. So they could do some things together. So they could do things together. But we were made very differently. And we actually have a purpose. And I want to read to you what that purpose is. We just talked about how Adam was made, how Eve was made. Now, why were they made? Let's go through and talk about that. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, "Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over who? They. Let's say that again. Who can rule over? So that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. The second time that he said that, why is he saying that? Because God is a three-part being. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When God created you, he made you a three-part being. You are a spirit, you live in a body, and you have a soul. We are directly created by God's design. We were not created by default. We were made in the image of God, and he says it twice here. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, just because there's a lot of confusion in our society right now, I'm going to go back and read that again. Male and female, he created them. Let me read it one more time. (laughs) Male and female, he created them. There are not 52 options. I asked Alexa on the way to church, Alexa, how many different genders are there? She said, as many as there are people because each person gets to decide who they are. Now, when I asked her that a few months ago, she told me 52. So now she has changed because Alexa is becoming politically correct. And Alexa doesn't want to put anybody in a box lest she offend someone. So as long as you are a person, Alexa or the political correct agenda would tell you you can be whatever you want, whenever you want. And I'm here to tell you that that's not biblically correct. There are males XY and females XX. That's it. That is it. There's two options. 
This is not rocket science. And for some reason, what has happened is we as Christians have allowed our voice to be quiet because that very small group or minority of people has gotten so loud that you're afraid of work to speak up. You're afraid you might be demoted. You're afraid that you might lose a sale. You're afraid somebody might get mad at you. But can I just tell you, if all of us actually used our voice, there is no devil in hell that could stand against us. And I'm not saying to be mean or to be unkind. I'm saying speak the truth in love because what our world needs right now is the world needs some truth. The world needs the truth, and when we have the truth and we don't give the truth, when good men do nothing, evil can prevail. So we have to speak the truth, and I'm not talking about fighting with someone on social media. I'm talking about you stand on the word of God and you become immovable. In matters of fashion, you can flow with the current. But when it comes to the word of God, you stand firm and you don't move and you don't back down. No matter what society brings down the river. There are even churches that are afraid to preach this because somebody might get upset. Can I just tell you? If I was concerned of whether somebody was upset with me or not, I would have quit pastoring 27 years ago. My job is to give you today what, you can, what I can give you on Sunday. You can apply to your life on Monday. Being a pastor is not trying to win a popularity contest or tickle everybody and make everyone happy. The, the role of a pastor is the role of a shepherd. My job is to shepherd your heart. Pastor Troy's job is to shepherd your heart. And it amazes me how we can be quiet when they're saying there's so many different genders out here. There's two. XY and XX. And let's keep reading because I'm not finished with the toe stepping. <laughs> Male and female. He created them. God blessed who? And he said to who? Be fruitful and increase in number. One translation says be fruitful and multiply. Let me just stop for a second. Can two men be fruitful and multiply? Can two women be fruitful and multiply? No. What God makes, God makes to multiply and to grow. Signed, sealed, delivered the word of God. End of discussion. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now listen, what the world is trying to say right now, if you don't agree with someone's sexuality, then you're a bigot. No, it makes you disagree. Bigotry is not when you disagree with someone. It's when you hate someone. You can love people and care for people and disagree with them. How many of you have a friend that you disagree with him? It's called life, people. <laughs> but don't let the voice or the spirit of intimidation keep you quiet. There's an intimidation bully out there that is doing everything it can to shut you down. Because whoever controls the language controls the situation. 
You see it over and over again. They're reframing the language in order to make it palatable and sexy. We can't say abortion. We can say a woman's choice. We can't say strip club. We can say a gentleman's club. They try to put a little sugar on everything in order to make you swallow it a little bit better. But don't buy the lies. Don't buy it. We've got to be, the Bible says, wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. We've got to be smart, but kind and loving and caring. Now, we just read that Adam and Eve were made to rule and reign together. Now, let's take this a little bit deeper and find out what exactly their roles were. Why was Eve made? Why was she even made? Genesis 2.18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, the only time where God said something wasn't good is Adam's solitary state. It's the only time where he looked at anything in creation and said it wasn't good. As a matter of fact, every single thing that he created, he looked at and said it was good. But when he got to where he made man and woman, he said it was very good. The only thing he said that was not good was Adam's solitary state. And I just read to you right here. It says, the Lord God said, this is the Lord speaking. The Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. Now, here's where I believe we've gotten off in society. And women, I'm going to step on your toes a little bit. And it's going to be good for you. We have made the role of helper a less than role. The role of helper, I want to give you what that Hebrew word is, right? Because we look at the word helper and we think barefoot, pregnant, baking cookies, subservient. That word helper is a powerful word, and I want to prove it to you. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. So I want to give you that word helper. It's the Greek or the Hebrew word azir. It's E-Z-E-R. You can go look it up for yourself. The word azir is how it's pronounced. What I did is I had two doctors in our church. I asked them a question. I said, One of them was an ER doctor. The other was an OBGYN. And I said to the ER doctor, when you have to pull out those paddles and put it on somebody's chest and start their heart beating again when it was stopped, would they look at you after you just saved their life and call you weak? He said, absolutely not. So then I looked at the OB doctor and I said to her, I said, when you've had to do an emergency C-section and save the life of the baby and save the life of the mother, would the mother, when the surgery was over, turn and look at you and say that you were weak? She said, absolutely not. But what I would like to let you in on is that word azir right there is like a doctor doing a life-saving procedure that type of a helper that literally because of what they've done, the whole situation turns around. It's like a doctor doing a life-saving procedure. It is not a weak word. It is not a weak stance. It is powerful. 
And I think what we have done is when we don't understand our role, we'll try to compete for another one. When God has made us to be a helper. I'm going to explain it to you in two different ways because I really want you to get this picture and understand. The first is, is this building is made of steel, right? These beams that go up and over my head, these steel structures are what hold the ceiling on, the roof on the building. Would you look at those steel beams and say they're weak? They're subservient because they're holding the roof up. Absolutely not. You would look at those steel beams and you'd say because of those steel beams, the covering is able to be what it should. Do you understand? It is not a weak position. It is a position of power that when we understand, the women will stop trying to be the men and the men will stop trying to be the women. Here's another way I want to show you. Men are designed to be our covering, right? It's got the Freedom House logo. I'll put it up front. (laughs) Men are designed to be our covering. What does a covering do? It protects you. It keeps you from getting wet when the storms of life come. Would you look at this rod and this beam that goes up the middle of the umbrella and say it's weak? It has no function. It has no purpose. This beam, this rod that goes up the middle of the umbrella is what allows the covering to even be in place. Without that beam, this fabric couldn't cover. But what good is a covering that has nothing lifting it up? Could you imagine a roof with no steel structures? It would fall. So... What is important to understand is who's the covering and who's the beam. And when we try to be in each other's roles and we don't understand that, all of society gets off. Because we've got two people trying to be the covering and two people trying to be the beam. And that's not the way God intended it. we got to get back to the way God intended for things to be if we want to flourish. Right? So let's keep talking about this a little bit further. Let's go into this a little bit deeper. What authority did Adam have and what authority did Eve have? In Genesis 2.16, and the Lord God commanded, does it say them? What does it say? And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but... Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam was charged with covering and protecting and overseeing the garden. Now, I remember thinking, why in the world would God even put that no-no tree in the garden? Why wasn't everything just amazing and incredible? Like, why was there even a tree in there? You know why? Without choice, you can't really truly love. That tree was in the garden because he gave Adam a choice. Without that tree, he would have been a robot. 
in a perfect place where nothing could ever come against him. He had to choose. But God charged him with the vision of the garden and him alone. That was not a them statement. That was a him statement, right? So let's keep reading. Adam was charged with the vision of the garden. We know that because in Genesis 2.16, it was told to Adam and Adam alone. And you know, even the very design of men and women's bodies, God made their bodies to work in harmony together. I mean, some things, they're just illogical and they don't work. So let's talk about Adam and Eve and their positions. Adam, his authority was a positional authority. It was a headship, right? Eve's position, she had the power of influence. They each were given authority, and their authority looked different. He had headship over the garden, and she had the power of influence. But they got off purpose, And what we're about to read is we're about to read how both of the very things, the authority that God had given him, Eve, the power of influence, and Adam, the power of position, of headship, both of them used it inappropriately. Both of them got off. Eve, we'll start with her in Genesis 3, 6. It says, she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise. Here we see she used her power of influence wrong. She took of the fruit and she ate. She also gave it to her husband. Who was with her? And he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Eve was deceived by the snake. The snake said, listen, did God really say that? Because, see, Adam was the one that had the firsthand revelation from God. Adam's job was to take that firsthand revelation and make it a revelation for Eve as well. So when Eve is being questioned, you know, well, maybe, maybe this is good to eat. Maybe it will make me wise. She takes the fruit and she uses her influence inappropriately. She eats it and then she gives it to her husband who was standing right there. Now, Adam used his authority, his headship, his position wrong because what he should have done is he should have said, put it down, Eve. The Lord told us not to do this. Put it down. As the head of the garden, here he was standing there letting her do this and he did not speak up. And because both of them used their authority All right, here we go. Devil ain't going to stop me from preaching this. Because they both used their authority in an inappropriate way, all of creation fell. All of creation fell. But I want you to see something that's so important right here. Because you could blink and miss this. 
I want you to hear this. It does not say that when the woman ate the fruit, her eyes opened, and then when the man ate the fruit, his eyes opened. It says the woman ate the fruit, nothing happened. When the man ate the fruit, when the head of the garden fell, both of their eyes were opened and shame entered the picture. And because shame entered the picture, they were now trying to cover themselves and hide themselves. And this has been a struggle ever since. They covered themselves with fig leaves. Now we read just a little bit later that they, they switched from fig leaves to covering themselves with animal skins because the only way to combat sin was through blood. So they had to shed the blood of an animal in order to cover their sins. This is the Old Testament. You and I, we don't shed the blood of animals anymore because in the New Testament, Jesus became that ultimate sacrifice that we don't have to cover our sin, but actually he eradicated and erased it because the most perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again and actually set us completely free. But what happened here is they're still living in a fallen world. And so they had to cover themselves with animal skins. The blood that covered them was only temporary. It was a repair program. It was not the way things were supposed to be. Let's keep reading and let's understand what happens and how we can grasp why Adam and Eve did what they did. In 1 Timothy 2.13, it says, God made Adam first. And afterwards, he made Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived, and sin was the result. Eve was deceived. Adam knew it was wrong. And we see that play out over and over and over again. A man's headship and a woman's woman's influence can never be underestimated can never, ever be underestimated. Let me give you just a few things to help you understand each position. Let me start with the woman first. How many of you ever heard the expression, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? (laughs) The influence of a woman. When advertisers want to sell things, what do they do? They put a scantily clad woman across the hood of a car and they sell that car. And they go on back order. When advertisers want to sell hot wings, they put a woman in a tight t-shirt with an owl on the front of it. And they sell hot wings. It's the influence of the woman that they are borrowing from. Because there is power there. But the thing is, is we have to understand and use our power appropriately. We cannot misuse our power. Let's talk about the man for a moment. I want to give you some statistics. These statistics blow me away because just the very presence of a man changes things. Just the very presence of a man changes things. Let me give you some stats from the U.S. Department of Justice about fatherless homes. 
63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Your presence matters. 90% of homeless and runaway youths are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions are from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in substance abuse centers are from fatherless homes. 75% of rapists who are motivated by displaced anger are from fatherless homes. Your very presence in the home matters. Men, you are so, so, so important. And I want to take this minute, and I actually want to apologize to our men in here. Because there is a large group of women that is risen up. And they call it a women's movement, but really what it is is an anti-men's movement. You see, it's one thing to be pro-woman. It's another thing to be anti-man. And what has happened in our society right now is we have demonized masculinity. We have demonized the manly man. Men don't even know what to say sometimes. They're afraid it'll be offensive. They're afraid it'll be misconstrued. And so sometimes they back down and they be quiet because they don't even know what to say. Can I just give you your man card back today? And I want to explain to you why this is happening. Whenever there is a group that has been consistently oppressed, if we are not careful, we will try to come out of our oppression by means of anger instead of by means of love. If we are not careful, the oppressed can become the oppressor. And that is what we see happening right now in society. We don't see this women's movement rising that's powerful. We see this women's movement that's rising and trying to tear our men down. And I just want you to know that here at Freedom House Church, we salute you. We honor you. We thank God for you. We are so excited to see you lead and stand in the place and the power and the position that you are meant to be. And, and listen, I'm not saying there aren't a lot of hurt women out there. There are. As a matter of fact, I grew up being physically abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused. But you know what? It wasn't a man's fault. You can't take one big breaststroke and wipe everyone out because one person or two people did something wrong. When you lead out of anger, what you do is you come against the whole. And as women, we can't do that. Because when we keep people out like that, we actually build a wall so high, God himself can't get in. So we've got to watch how we handle ourselves. You don't need to roar. We don't need to hear you roar. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> what we need is we need your validation to come from Jesus and Jesus alone. Yeah. 
Your validation does not come from anyone else. If you wait for somebody else to validate you, you're going to be on a roller coaster ride your whole life. What I have taught my girls is men are not your problem. The devil is your problem. And I want to raise my girls to love and honor and cherish every relationship and not come against somebody because the world is putting something in front of them. But there is something legitimate that has happened where women have been underfoot. And I want to tell you why. And it's not wrong with wanting to get out from underneath the foot. It's the way you do it that matters. So let's read and figure out how this even transpired in the first place. In Genesis 3:16, after the fall, we see something happen. We see the original intent of the garden completely change. Genesis 3:16, this is God. He said to the woman, Because of what you have done, because you have sinned, because both of you disobeyed, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Is that a change? Is that a change? Yes, it is. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife, And she influenced you, and I gave you the vision of the garden because you listened to her from the tree about which I commanded you not to eat. Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken to dust you shall return. Here's the thing I want you to understand. When sin came into the picture, a curse was activated. Now, people oftentimes think that people can be cursed. People cannot be cursed. Sin is cursed. And when you invite sin into your life, you invite the curse into your life. People are not cursed. Sin is cursed. And whenever we welcome sin in, that's why you read in Malachi where it says when we don't tithe, there is a curse. It's not on you as a person. It's because we disobeyed God and we actually invited that into our life. We invited our finances to be cursed. And here we invited our relationships to be cursed. The very thing that God created us to do, he said to be fruitful and to multiply, is the very thing that Eve was made to do. And here she is, her childbirth is being attacked and she was to rule and reign beside her husband and now she's under him. The very things that she was created to do, now she's underfoot. And then we also see in here the very thing that Adam was to do, the headship of the garden. Now it's going to happen and it's going to be hard. So where do we go from here? Because the curse is why you see women that are still struggling to this very day to get out from underneath of something. And I'm not saying that women haven't been oppressed. I'm not saying different cultures haven't been oppressed. There is a lot of oppression that has happened. But what I am suggesting is how you handle that oppression is key. 
So what does the Bible have to say about what happened? As we talked about, what happened with Adam and Eve is they had the blood that they shed of animals that covered sin. And in the New Testament, Jesus became that sin. So what happens next? Was there any hope to get back things like that happened in the garden? Were we doomed forever to be underfoot? Is this life just going to be so hard and so difficult? What's the answer? We can find it in Galatians chapter 3. And this is what happened when Jesus shed his blood and died on the cross. It says, so until the revelation of faith for salvation was released, the law was a jailer holding us as prisoners under lock and key until the faith which was destined to be revealed would set us free. The law becomes a gateway to lead us to the Messiah so that we would be saved by faith. But when faith comes, the law is no longer in force. But when faith comes, the law is no longer in force since we have already entered into life. You have all become true children of God by the faith of Jesus, the anointed one. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, the anointed one, and now you are covered and clothed with his anointing, not your fig leaves, not the skins of animals in the garden. Now you are clothed with the anointing of Jesus because he came to make things right. We are no longer to see each other in our former state. Jew or non-Jew, no more race. Don't get hung up on your race. I don't care what color you are, where you've come from. Have more pride in the fact that you're a Christian than the color of your skin. There is no rich or poor. He's speaking about the class system, which was meant to divide us. And then here's the other, male and female. He sets us back right again. Instead of being underfoot, he brought us back to our rightful position, where we are supposed to be ruling and reigning and multiplying together. Because we are all one through our union with Jesus Christ with no distinction between us. And since you've been united to Jesus the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child and inherit all the promises of the kingdom realm. Would you stand on your feet? Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus brought us back in our rightful position? Aren't you glad that we can choose the word of God to stand on? You know, what I think is some people are getting discouraged by the times that we live in right now. This should be the church's finest hour. This should be the church's finest hour because we have the hope of the world and his name is Jesus. I don't deny that things have happened and since the garden, it's been a repair program. But can I ask our men in here, 
Can you take your rightful spot? Can I ask our women in here and watching online, would you please take your rightful spot? It's the only way that Jesus can do what he needs to do in us and through us is when we're positioned appropriately. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? If you're in here today and you would just say, you know what? I need to take my rightful spot. I realize I may have been off a bit and I wanna take that spot back today. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, and you just say, man, that is me. I make a commitment today to take my rightful spot. Would you just lift your hand up? And if you are watching online, there is a little hand right there that you can click. We don't want to leave you out either. Just click that hand or lift your hand if you're in here and you commit. Man, we need our men positionally placed. We need our women using their power of influence well. God, lead us and guide us. God, may our men guide, guard, and govern us. There is safety under the covering of our men. And Lord, may we as the women prop up and lift up their arms. That word, azir, 16 different times it's used in the Bible to reference God being our helper. It is such a powerful word. And God, we take our rightful spot, our strong, powerful, rightful spot. I don't want to leave this room today without giving everyone the opportunity to come and know Jesus. He did shed his blood on the cross. He did die for you and for me to set us back in our rightful place. That was a really big deal. And he did that when we weren't very loving or kind back. You see, his love isn't conditional. Human love can be conditional, but God's love is not. And if you are here today and you say, you know what, I want to make that decision. I want to follow Jesus. I want a fresh start. I want to do over. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? You say, I need a fresh start today. I need a do over. I need to begin again. Just lift your hand up. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you on the sides. Same thing online. You can click your hand, that little hand online, and we have people there to pray with you, to encourage you. Anybody else say, I need a fresh start today. I need a do-over. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just all say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of fresh starts. You are the God of do-overs. We thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross and raising from the dead so we could be made new. We receive that and we take our rightful spot and our rightful position. In Jesus' name, amen.